Hi everyone. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Amy. Um, I'm gonna be giving the reflection um, on the readings today. I've come across a lot of storms in my life. Literally, of course. Our upper Midwest lives frequently interrupted and occasionally upended by ice and snow, lightning and hail. But also metaphorically, the image of storms coming up frequently in stories and songs, the events and experiences around the events and experiences that place unexpected obstacles in our path. The things that bring struggle and danger to what might have been an ordinary time or an easy journey. The three scriptures that we have for today um, include three different stories of storms that occur when people are journeying at sea or lake, over water in any case. Um, we decided not to read all of them, in part because that would have been really a lot of reading, um, but also because they're really familiar stories. All the Gospels include stories of Jesus saving the disciples as they travel by boat in stormy weather. The storm in Jonah comes before he arrives in Nineveh in that action-packed part of the story that gets covered frequently by children's Bibles and Sunday school curricula. Um, so I am just going to go through the stories briefly um, and just um, point out some details that I noticed as I was considering them um, preparing this today. Um, one of the readings um, was from Mark's Gospel, um, but Matthew and Luke include the story too. Um, Jesus is sleeping in the boat when a storm blows up, and the disciples, disciples wake him, accusing him of being indifferent toward the danger that they're in. Jesus wakes up, calms the storm and the sea, and rebukes them for their lack of faith. The thing that really stuck out to me in the story when I read it this time was that the disciples were astonished that Jesus could do this. You know, they said, who is this that the wind and the sea obey him? Which makes me think that they didn't wake him up expecting him to fix the problem. I wonder if it wasn't just that they were wondering, how is Jesus sleeping through this? And does their teacher, who they're devoted to, really care about them? That they're in danger, and there Jesus is sleeping when he could be doing something. I don't know, maybe they were bailing water out of the boat with buckets or something. I have no idea what, the, you know, what that would have looked like. But they weren't, but given the reaction later, it doesn't seem like they had this expectation that, you know, well, they would just tell Jesus and it would fix it. They just wanted to know that it mattered to him. Um, so when they did wake, did wake up, when Jesus did wake up and calm the storm, I wonder what the disciples thought. I mean, on the one hand, he, Jesus wildly exceeded what might have been their expectations. He calmed the storm. They were safe. Easy journey. Amazing. But on the other hand, learning that Jesus had the power to command wind and sea, well, that would have meant that if Jesus had woken up and acted sooner, they might have avoided much of the terror and exhausting effort of facing that storm. 
I feel like, you know, knowing then that Jesus really did have the ability to calm that storm would make would have made his delay in action more baffling and baffling and frustrating. Now, the disciples might have just been all wonder. That's what the story kind of suggests. And good for them. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, you know, how I would have felt if this person who was sleeping woke up and solved all my problems. Um, so that was what I wanted to say about the first story. Um, the second story um, I want to talk about is the one that we read today um, from Matthew's Gospel, um, Jesus with Jesus walking on water. Um, Matthew also has the story of when Jesus is sleeping in the boat and they wake him up. Um, that story is in Luke's Gospel as well. So this is sort of like the, the second story of the storm at sea um, sort of um, scenario. Um, so the disciples are traveling on ahead of Jesus. And after they've been traveling for some time over a stormy sea, Jesus walks out on the water and catches up to them, which must have been legitimately terrifying. Seeing a figure traveling on foot over water at a rate of speed that would let him catch up with a boat that left quite a bit before him. The terror that they were terrified seems obvious. Peter's response is fascinating. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, this really seems like a uniquely Peter move, um, which is impressively bold and completely irrational. He was close enough for this figure coming toward him to hear him talk. He could have said something like, I don't know, Lord, if it's you, tell me what we had for lunch yesterday. But it's Peter, so he goes with, tell me to do this thing that will likely kill me, even though any horrifying phantom could tell me to do the thing and let me drown. But it works out for him, because it's Jesus out there. And still, when Peter is walking on the water, he still gets scared, and he starts to fall. And Jesus catches him, gets him to the boat, and calms the storm. Now, the third story, the storm in Jonah, seems different to me, in a sense, because in that story, it seems pretty clear that God intentionally sent the storm in response to Jonah's disobedience. Now, as we re probably recall from Sunday School of Tales, all the things we've heard the story, God commands Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Jonah will, does not want to go to Nineveh, because, basically because he doesn't want to preach to the bad people because he knows God will forgive them if they repent. Um, so Jonah goes in the opposite direction to Tarshish on a boat. On the boat, when on the boat, a storm blows up, and the others on the boat conclude that someone on the boat must have angered their God, and they need to identify this person immediately and get this sorted out. Um, now, this seems like quite a leap to me, if I'm being honest, um, but it seems like a pretty good assessment of the situation. Jonah is identified as the person who angered their God, and Jonah suggests that the others cast him into the sea. 
Um, the others are reluctant to do this, um, but once it becomes clear that they're not going to get back to land safely by their own efforts, they did cast Jonah into the sea and the storm stilled. But as we all know, rather than killing Jonah as his fellow travelers expected, it turns out that the Lord had just ranged um, an alternative transport for Jonah in the direction that the Lord wanted Jonah to go. Jonah was swallowed by a large fish and spit out on the shores of Nineveh three days later. These stories are distinct and taken together, they do not provide a formula for surviving a storm. <laughs> but there are a few points that I think we can take away as we face storms, literal or metaphorical, in our lives. First, these stories and other stories of storms in scripture suggest that the storms come when they come. The storm does not wait until we're safe on dry land. The storm comes whether our boat is strong enough to withstand the wind and waves, whether or not we have a skillful crew who can navigate us safely through the storm. The storm will come and we must face it in the time, place, and condition we're in. Second, these stories suggest that we should not assume that a storm is a message from God. We shouldn't assume that the storm is God sending us only what we can handle. It's not a test that we need to pass or judgment on our lack of faith. In two of these stories, the ones from the gospel, there is not even reference to God sending or causing the storm. The journey is taking place, the storm blows in. No divine intention, no careful timing, just the course of, course of events on a watery planet and a planet with a watery atmosphere with people who are on the move. The Jonah story is a little different because the story does present the storm as a divine action. Jonah flees in the wrong direction. God send the sends the storm, and once Jonah is cast into the sea, God calms the storm. Assuming that things occurred as described, um, that there was this direct cause and effect, then it does suggest that God might send a storm with intention to get our attention, to change our direction. But even, that, even in the Jonah story, God sending the storm is not judgment or a test or a message that Jonah needed to decipher. It seems much more that God was doing what God needed to do in the face of Jonah's unwillingness to follow God's call. The storm that Jonah faced was not God speaking in silence or, or whispers. It wasn't even God shouting. It was God acting, using the forces of creation to drag a reluctant Jonah to the place where God wanted him to go. Even though the stories differ as far as whether God sent the storm with intention, the stories agree that God has power over the storm and the waves. And moreover, the stories all show God delivering pe people safely through the storms, whether they deserve it or not. Jonah, who fled God's call and endangered his fellow passengers, arrives at Nineveh safely, if not a bit worse for wear. The disciples woke Jesus and accused him of not caring whether they perished. And they saw Jesus calm the storm. Peter became frightened and began to sink as he walked on the water. Jesus caught him and brought him safely to the boat. 
if these storms were a test of faith or courage or obedience, it would be pretty hard to make a case that any of these people passed. But God still brought them safely through the storm. Even if you take these stories together, it's hard to find clear instructions for surviving a storm. Figured out who angered their God and cast them into the sea worked for Jonah and his fellow passengers, but it seems problematic in practice. Figuring out the message of the storm, why it was sent, what we need to do and stop it, generally doesn't work. Because for two of, three, two of these three storms, and I suspect the vast majority of storms in our lives, there's no reason why it happened. No message we need to decipher, or even an action we need to take. Because even following the instruction that Jesus gives to Peter in this Matthew passage, Peter and the others really, in the Matthew passage, do not be afraid, often doesn't work because even if we make bold gestures toward trust and confidence, as Peter did by stepping out in the water, we might still be frightened. The faith that we desire to have wavering in the face of very real danger Storms will come, and I think the best advice I can draw from these passages is do what we can do to survive and trust that God will carry us through to the other side of the storm. And that trust is hard, and sometimes it seems ridiculous when God or those we trust to help us in times of need seem far away or indifferent to our struggles. And sometimes, like Jonah, we'll find that trusting God to carry us through the storm results not in a return to calm seas and continuing on our desired curse of travel. Trusting in God might look, like alarming, might look alarmingly like being cast into a stormy sea and carried to the last place we want to be. Yet the story tells us, despite the horrifying mode of transport, Jonah arrived safely exactly where God wanted him to be. Storms challenge us to place our trust in God to save us, even when it seems that God is unaware or indifferent, and even when it seems that help isn't coming. But none of these stories suggest that our success at trusting God or being not afraid is a requirement for God's help. Peter is frightened and begins to fall. Jesus catches him and brings him to safety. The disciples wake and suggest, wake Jesus and suggest that he doesn't care if they drowned. Jesus rebukes, Jesus, sorry, Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith after he calms the winds and the waves. Jonah is caught in the storm when he is actively fleeing God's call. Jonah still arrives safely where God wants him to go. Storms interrupt our lives and change our plan, interrupt our plans, and challenge our faith. Storms can lead us to rethink our expectations of what God's care for us might look like. Storms can stop us in our path and force us to go in a new direction. But nothing in these stories suggests that God will carry us into safety only if we fearlessly trust in God's presence. These stories bring hope that even if we, like Peter, are frightened, even if our faith, faith fails us and we begin to sink, God will catch us as we fall and bring us safely through the storm.